I don't have a lot of. Don't have a lot of notes. Notes for midweek. Oh, I've got a fair amount from the first half, a lot less for the second. Yeah, that's usually how it works. I know. Run out of steam. Just like, I mean, basically, like, I'm sure. Oh, fuck, there's another half of this, isn't there? different gravy not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast I'm one of the hosts Richard Miller and my co-host well in reference to this weekend's opposing manager Neil Warnock being best known by his acronym Colin Wanker he's normally known as Luke Gledall but today will be a geek lad lol how are you doing today a geek lad lol <laughs> good good <laughs> could you just explain like what that I mean Colin Wanker is pretty pretty kind of self-explanatory but what is what is a geek lad lol what is it? <laughs> it's i think it's equally self-explanatory uh <laughs> a geek lad having a break i think really this if you put both of our names together um the, you could end up with uh, armchair dullard and illegal elk so uh, maybe that's a preferable sort of duo armchair dullard <laughs> and illegal elk yeah i like it should um, Armchair Dullard and Illegal Elk get onto the breaking hoo-hoos? You know, that's it's a it's a good suggestion, I think. Breaking hoo-hoos. So the first thing really doesn't relate to Sheffield Wednesday in a, in a direct sense, but between the two episodes, the the footballing world has been shooken to its core. Uh, but Consider it shooken, that footballing world. Considering it, yeah, consider it shooken to its very foundations. <laughs> so, football was saved by a group of heroic clubs putting forward a very selfless plan to, to remove themselves from any competition. Uh, and then it all collapsed within a space of a few days so yeah i'm alluding to this the the european super league as it was as it was called what what i mean it's it's very funny that it's sort of it's burnt itself out so quickly although if you believe the real madrid chairman uh it's just it's just sort of waiting uh for its time as an idea but what what did you make of what did you make of the announcement and the backlash and all the rest of it? What what was your sort of feeling on it? I generally felt that when this thing came up, I was a bit like, I don't really care. I think it's just further endemic to football swallowing itself, and capitalism mm-hmm. just has already ruined it to a certain degree. So it's just further down the rabbit hole. I mean, we've been talking about this for a long time, I guess. The interesting thing with this is, like, I didn't... <clears throat> because it's seemingly, as it stands right now, not happening. I, I, I've, I'm I, really curious to see if it would happen, then what would happen to the Champions League. What would be the knock-on effects if that would happen, which is already... It's so early days that no one can really say or kind of announce this stuff. But I... I don't know. I mean, the Champions League is expanding anyway. 
You know, yes, Jurgen yeah. Klopp is um, having a bit of a moan about it, which is something that he does. Something that typically you get with Jurgen Klopp is um, moaning, moaning <laughs> to the press about things, about things being seemingly gratefully unfair. Yeah, and I don't know. I I I don't know. I really don't care. I'm not. I'm not so kind of outraged. It's so far removed from everything I know about Sheffield Wednesday and football. Because I think that's the thing. I think we all think about the nature of football being in relation to where our football club is. You believe in yeah. like an ideology that's much like a much like a a game of Championship Manager ninety three or or your football managers, if you will. That mm. we could lead we could lead the new Saints to Champions League glory. Or, yes. Or, or we can get Barnett challenging for Europe. You know, it's which theoretically it is possible. I mean, uh, it, it, but all of it, like all of this, the only thing I think it really plays off is the ideology of the mentality that football should be competitive and that it should yeah. be an earned thing. How you get the chance to earn that, the thing that frustrates me is like we're not typically we don't go back the point before and say, you know, how are how are these clubs having their financial dominance? They have financial dominance because they have insanely wealthy owners. But there's a lot to also be said about the setup of English football and the rules that kind of govern that, which keep keep the hoi polloi in place. Yeah. And that's the thing that still kind of frustrates me, but that's still kind of like, this is the mentality of a Sheffield Wednesday fan who should be a second to first tier club in mm-hmm. standing heritage in lots of in lots of ways that we go down the list and tick off the boxes. But still we're looking to enter the third tier of English football for the fourth time in our yeah. history. And it's uh, it's just an incredibly long way away from this. I did really enjoy as a great tweet, we can probably put this in the notes as well, the brilliant okay. tweet which was uh Tottenham Hotspur at the meeting for European Super League meeting and it's the <laughs> theme of Big Bird Sitting a bunch of a uh, bunch of suits, <laughs> which I did really, really enjoy. So, well, that was the weird thing. So, it just felt so so amateurish and rushed. So, I mean, one of the takes is that this was just a bit of a power play, so that they could have have their say on the Champions League. So, one of the things they're talking about in the Champions League is, I think, two spaces or maybe more. essentially for teams that are historically from good leagues and do well in the the European Cups. So (laughs) effectively, even if you don't qualify, if you've got a bit of a safety net because you could be one of those two teams that doesn't qualify through your league play, but you come from a good league and you've done well in Europe previously. So you get a space. So the the Champions League was was building to have something that's almost you know partially partially this European Super League anyway, and mm. including the thing that people most seem to be annoyed about, which was that sort of anti-competitive streak to it. So that's kind of interesting in and of itself. But I think that was the the thing looking at it was just particularly this season as much as any, where these super teams have looked more fallible than ever before. The, the choice of teams seemed very odd. I mean, Tottenham 
pretty much like they 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 have a cup and league winning record very similar to our own mm. in that a long long time ago there was quite a bit of success mm-hmm. we're talking a hundred years and more there was a bit of a blip around the 90s and the 60s maybe and that's kind of it mm. in terms of the major bits and pieces um and <laughs> this season rubbish under Mourinho lost lots of games from being ahead and things like that Liverpool have have been one of the had one of the worst sort of follow-ups to a championship winning season in, yeah. in recent the worst title just, defense on record yeah 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 so it's just it's just very strange when actually two of those teams aren't even qualifying it's not like oh it's boring those six teams get in all the time Mm. Uh, two of those teams might well not qualify for Europe this season, which I guess is why they want to do it. But it also mm-hmm. speaks to the fact that it shouldn't happen. <laughs> I like that the players were the the main reason I think this fell down. I know that they talked about fans. I don't think they care about fans. They've Football has survived for two years almost, or well, 18 months without fans. Um I think fans have never been less important to these these big clubs and their owners. But do you think like uh, I've been thinking like this is probably slightly kind of changed, but speaking about the fans, do you think we're in like a really interesting kind of world and age right now with a lot of things? Like I, I was thinking about this that I, I, I think I told you I, you know, give money to Princess Superstars Patreon because I thought that would be mm-hmm. fun and fun to support her. And you know, I was off work yesterday, so I I managed to hop on to a Zoom call with some of the some of the other fans and it was very you know it's very small and very intimate and you know it's really interesting to live in an age where you have such kind of ready digital access to people yeah but it it, it made me wonder a lot because i i saw that thing about um i think it was a thing that was going around i think it might have been bio leverkusen or, or a club of this ilk okay. and basically you know as the germans are very very passionate about their football clubs so they they kind of united, socially distanced at a space outside the ground to kind of applaud the players, you know, to have their claps travel into the stadium. Mm. And it it's really interesting to me because, like, there's such a weird... Me and you have been there. I've been there. I think I've probably been the more awkward of the two of us. You know, we've... Sheffield <laughs> Wednesday players. There's a really... <laughs> there's a really there's a really awkward kind of relationship between fans and the players. Yeah. Yeah. Like as though there's some kind of unwritten agreement that they are kind of servants to us. Yes. And we are also kind of servants to them in a yeah. degree of idolatry. Yes. And it's, no, it's, inter- yeah, it's just a really interesting thing to bring up when you talk about the relationship to football to its fans. Like it's I don't think we've ever been I think it's naturally quite weird, and I think it's getting weird coming into this, into a world where social media is just rife and mm. mutates, mutates and grows every every second, let alone let alone every season. But <clears throat> fans have just been so far removed in this pandemic from football, literally yeah. and you know physically and you know metaphorically as well. Just look at so the, the, it's this rushed announcement on a sun like Sunday mm. night. They don't tell managers. They don't tell. They don't brief players. 
So it was it was Ole Gunnar Solskjaer who looks be- befuddled at the best of times, <laughs> was having to like be the public face of this <laughs> this thing that was being met with a barrage of of hatred and rage, and he was legitimately just sort of holding his hands up and sort of saying, you know. I've no idea what's going on, really. I've been told so almost he, as much as you. He went from babyface assassin to stroke with the <laughs> baby, you're saying, right? <laughs> exactly. He looked like, you know when you see those videos of babies having a lemon or animal <laughs> ice cream for the first time? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the look of of uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer on a, on a Sunday night. But the, so... The, so supposedly behind the scenes, the Man United players were not were completely bemused by this, mm, mm. and I don't think any of them presented for interview afterwards. And then it was like a scramble <laughs> to try and speak to them before they spoke to the press, mm. and that did not go down well. We then had Jordan Henderson. Uh, brought out an official statement. James Milner, I think, was was on TV the next day and sort of said, well, I don't like it. I don't want it to happen. Um, and I, I think that, as much as anything, was the, the players... The players do still hold a lot of sway, I think, at these clubs. And the and the managers, big name managers. Do you... And... Sorry, go on. No, you, carry, you carry on. Well, no, just but I think the fact that Klopp seemed to be angered by the very suggestion and Pep Guardiola as well. Guardiola in particular is such a part of the identity that City are trying to build that I think him not being on board was probably the death knell to it from, from their side of things. To link up that previous topic, what I was talking about was this one. Do you think it's more the outrage on social media that's kind of... Had more kind of sway with us. They had to have known that was going to happen. I think the whole idea is abhorrent to fans because they had to know. It's not so. It's not so long ago that we had the thirty ninth game idea, and this is like a whole season of the thirty ninth game, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. So they must have. I think by the time they're announcing it, by the time they're they're having the discussions, they don't care about fans. Not not. They don't care about fans in Liverpool and Manchester, blah, blah, blah. What they care about is fans in the Middle East and Asia and America. Of course. They do course. not care about fans who are local to the club. That's that's. Mm-hmm. I think that's all a given. Mm-hmm. So they must have known there would have been a backlash. I think maybe what they didn't predict and what they failed to brief in time were they should have they needed to have internal buy-in you need to have the players on board the the manager on board you can't have every everything under you it's it's every single stakeholder other than the greedy owners were against this idea and that's why it all fell down so so you think that uh, what they should have done is gone to these people and being like hey guys if we're going ahead and doing this you're gonna get a, you're gonna get a few more big old sacks of cash. Well, that's the yeah. That's probably what would have what it would have been, wouldn't mm. it? Delicious, delicious cash. Money bags. The character from <laughs> Spyro the Dragon. It was a monocled, <laughs> topped and tailed bear with a little sack of cash. Would be like, here you go. <laughs> but here, you, so here, you go Mark, here you go, Marcus Rashford. 
we know you have morals. <laughs> but can we can we give you how much how much those morals cost? Is it is it is it thirty doubloons? Is it forty doubloons? <laughs> and there's no and it, and it was such a weird thing that there's like well there's fifteen founding clubs but here's twelve of them mm. so there's three that couldn't even you know didn't even want to stick their neck out to make the announcement uh, but supposedly had signed up or had shown interest. There's not one club from Germany. There's not one club from France. There's nothing, no representation of uh, the Dutch leagues, which if you're looking at history within the European game, I know like currently Dutch leagues are pretty low ebb, but like Ajax are one of the powerhouses of European football. Uh, it just felt, it's just so weird and short-sighted and uh, just such a bizarre thing. <laughs> I just imagine Rich turning on, like having a strap fit because his uh, beloved VVV Venlo is not involved. Where's PSV Eindhoven? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Gerald Sabon needs the big stage. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm almost. It's, it was such a bad launch that I'm almost sort of to the point of feeling like there might be some sort of conspiracy theory that it's like what Facebook does where they go, do you know what? We're going to put all of your data on, on our website so everybody can see it. And then they, everyone goes, not all of our data on there on your website. So everybody can see it. And then they go, okay, some of your data on our website. Yes. So some people can see it. Is- like, okay. I'm less annoyed about that. <laughs> And this is seemingly a great triumph to what we do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I, uh, did any part of you feel like this might be a way to escape escape relegation? <laughs> if these six clubs were banned from the Premier League, maybe everybody moves up some spaces. That'd be fun. <laughs> of all the of all the ways to escape the trapdoor at the bottom of the table, that would have been a, a really novel one. Um, okay. Well, the other thing that happened uh, midweek was uh, was an, uh, a, a win for Sheffield Wednesday. Can the, you believe it? The lesser spotted win. The lesser spotted win. Back on the red button, which is, I think, I would have said before this today's experience for you for me, which I will take you through um, nearer the time. Uh, I would have said the worst experience in terms of. Watching the, watching the football this season because you have one very dull commentator. Um, I think he literally. I think his name was actually Guy Guy Middlingman is maybe his name. You know, just a generic. I've done some football commentary. Here I am on my own. <laughs> I'm I'm not that interested. I'm not going to get that excited. I'm not going to, you know, there's just going to be no very little change in my intonation. I'm going to go from about a 5 to a 7 and that's about it. That's all you're getting. Uh I've been contracted for this and <laughs> they didn't pay for excitement. Um and also the the stream has varying quality to the point where it really looks like it it's been filmed on a sort of Nokia 310 or something like that from back in or whatever back in the day and then the other thing is no replays at all of anything so it's a real treat uh to to watch on the red button and that's that's the one we had we we sort of drafted Rhodes back in and i think was harris a reintroduction for this game as well i believe so yes i i 
<laughs> I, don't, I don't know whether I was just in a bad mood and I brought that to the game, but my my first sort of spattering of notes are pretty are pretty bad. Um, so I've got low tempo, low effort, poor quality game, and then the next one was I didn't think Oblivion would be so boring. <laughs> then my next note is the fact that we scored. Do you have Do you have more to fill out fill things out than that, Luke? <sighs> I, I'm, I'm kind of going back over my notes and I'll kind of maybe more of our conversation that me and you had on that day. Um, it was, it was like, I mean, like, it seemed very damning of this, but I'm going to say, like, I, I was quite, I think I was just a grumpy Gus. <laughs> well, grumpy Gus, let me remind you what I reminded you of a text then. It's still like schools ahead of some of the games we played this season. Yes. I think that's the overall... <laughs> I would say even this weekend's game, there's there's, there's a positivity to the way we play, mm. which is is a welcome change from what we've been used to. Unfortunately, I don't know why, this cannot be the plan, but how many chances fall to Liam Palmer in this current setup? He has... Chances on goal every single game, and um, he's he's really rubbish at shooting. Really, really rubbish. Despite being quite competent at everything else in his game, because uh, he had a few a few efforts uh, midweek. He had a he had an effort or two today as well. No, I think you're right. I think I was bringing a bit of negativity. As I say, it's not the most enjoyable way to to watch the the football because you really feel the lack of atmosphere uh, when the commentator is not trying to bring any excitement or verve to his job. He is just, he is painting by numbers and, uh, and putting in the bare minimum in, t- in terms of I've, I've been given some notes. I will read through the notes. Oh, number 10. Yeah. I've got something about number 10 down here. Number 10 is Barry Bannan and he, is a Scottish footballer. There you go. <laughs> like that's the sort of level of, of uh, yeah, joie de vivre that the commentator is bringing to the to proceedings. Um, and the it's game, so- you're then looking for the game to elevate itself above that level. And uh, for me, it, it didn't quite do that. But that, as I say, I think maybe I was bringing a bit of. I was expecting us to get relegated in the game. Yeah, I mean, there's a lackluster midweek game. Which like midweek games are very, very lackluster and very kind of lacking any great conviction from Sheffield Wednesday for a lot of time. You know, the end of a season which has just kind of ripped any enthusiasm out of pretty much everybody. Mm. You know, the true the true virus of his time is uh, <laughs> all losing any enthusiasm for this football club. <laughs> it's just new and new and less interesting ways. But I mean, the nature of this is we can play, we can play positive. We can get forward and create chances. The ability to put away those chances, it's still a step up, like creating chances and not really scoring a great deal of them. That felt very kind of. It feels very endemic to Sheffield Wednesday on the more right now. More, yeah. really, more kind of. We say Jamie Smith at this point. Jamie Smith and yes. Paul Williams within within the situation, but I. I don't. I don't know. Like it's still, like it's going to happen. We're going to have a situation where we play with any great lack of conviction, backbone, and 
all these these kind of words I'm struggling to kind of find for what we're we're doing here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and we're, we're going to do that, but we're still going to manage to scrape a win every now and again. And we're going to have a situation where we're playing a team who are ensconced mid-table and nothing to play for, and they pretty much played with that same kind of conviction. And they nearly equalised. They very, very nearly well, they should have equalised, to be honest with you. This is, yeah. It's kind of an interesting combination because there seems to be diff- differing sort of, you know, reading back about the... Uh... So we scored in the 37th minute, which Harris sort of played the ball to, to Windass and Windass sort of deflected it off uh, an opposing defender's gooch and, and that beat the goalkeeper. Um, Tom Lee's had a decent chance not, not long after there as well. Um, but it, I think looking at it, reading reports and, and you know watching it, looking back, back at it afterwards, um, it's interesting on the highlights, which is the Sheffield Wednesday's own you know, in-house commentary, our goal was described as being against the run of play. Um, and that's that's maybe fair because it looks like one of those games, they had sort of 60% possession or 58 to be precise, but we had more shots. And I think that's what it felt like was one of these games that actually we were doing pretty well on the break. And that tends to be our better performances are... They have more possession. We have we have we look more dangerous. Those are the good performances. And then almost every game where we have more possession or parity in terms of possession, we lose. That's a, we that's sort of been the Wednesday feel for for a long time. Um, strangely, uh, but it, it just continues. You know, to to this day. Um, that said, I think Westwood had one of his better performances. He he was mm-hmm. he, he's. Um, Looking back at sort of who scored, he he picked up the best score of the the game uh, for, from a Wednesday point of view. Um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a, as I say, it's a sort of intriguing one because I think they did have their chances. That I think in particular was it Buckley late on in the second half had a, I mean really he just anywhere other than straight at the keeper, it's a goal. But he thankfully hit it straight straight down Westwood's throat. Um, but other than that, not 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 a distinctly uncomfortable evening against a team that have been very good going forward, but for most of the season, I know they've tailed off massively. They're mm-hmm. they're, they're one of these teams that's just sort of, I think they were up second or third at some point, and then they've they are you know they're they're, they're lucky that they're not in relegation trouble come the end of the season. They've they've had a a monk-esque fall off in the second half of the the season. But, you know, it it it's <laughs> it keeps our chances alive and and allows us to 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 move along. Anything else that you want to sort of talk through in terms of that game? No, like I said just just it's it's going to be the odds, the probability that we're going to keep playing this way and we're going to eke out a win like that every sporadic uh, you know, sporadically every now and again. Mm. You know, it's not, but it's not a win that you'd obviously look at and say that's bread and butter for Sheffield Wednesday. Because it, it mm. do you think, looking at the last four or five games, do you think maybe the difference is whether the defence makes a huge cock up or not? But that's been the thing, like all season, Rich. But I'm saying the games that we've won, we've avoided a self-inflicted, mm. no pressure howler, and then. We know that this team completely goes to pot when they go behind. The heads go down, and there's no. <clears throat> we've not even really come close to salvaging 
salvaging points after going behind. There's not there's not been a <clears throat> well, no, because that's now like kind of <laughs> spoiling what we're going to talk about a bit later. But I was actually <laughs> saying like when at one one, and I I'm really at the point where I don't particularly, unfortunately, kind of care about doing any great kind of mockery of um, uh, mockery of you know putting the mockers on something, you know. Mm. But basically, as it stands, I think it's, we've kind of known this, but I went to concretely look at the evidence, and now it's basically for terms of teams' points after failing behind, Sheffield Wednesday have had 23 deficits this season and have had 23 losses. Mm. So that looked like, for a second, it looked like when we equalised in this game, that the, the game against Middlesbrough this weekend, which we'll go on to review in a second, you know, it looked like that was going to be our first draw, which still doesn't take us off the bottom. Well, actually, funnily enough, the other team is Derby County, who have had 24 deficits, of which they've taken two draws. Wow. Yeah. It's Yeah, it's, it is it is damning. It is damning. Mm-hmm. And if you combine that with, if we were, like, steely, that's the other thing is we quite often score first and then let teams catch us up as well. We've lost points from winning positions almost more yeah. than anybody else as well. But like you could cope with, okay, when they concede first, they they lose as long as, oh, when they get the first goal, they always win. Like you can, you can kind of cope with like a, a team that's bad at home or bad away, but really, really good in the, in the opposite sort of fixture can cope with that. You can almost get, to, I think there's been teams that have been in the playoffs where it's like, well, they're terrible away from home or they're terrible at home, mm. but you can't have both. <laughs> that's the, that's the thing, isn't it? You've got to be hard to beat once you score or really good at getting back into games. You can't be rubbish at both those things and expect very much from your, from your season. Um, do we want to move on to the Borough game? Let's, let's get carried away. Yeah. I mean, it's with trepidation rather than excitement that we uh, we bring ourselves, <laughs> bring ourselves along to this this game of Borough. I mean, we had the usual Neil Neil Warnock Colin uh, build up of I'd love to relegate them. Uh, I feel really bad that we beat Rotherham, and I'd love to relegate Wednesday. <laughs> he's a fun pantomime bil- villain, isn't he? Uh, oh, he's, he just... he's fantastic at doing that. He really is. <laughs> Widow cranky. <laughs> um, we we met gave a start to Green, which is uh, the kind of most interesting mm. thing I think ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, Harris dropped for Green, and Rhodes dropped for Patterson. Patterson. I don't know why I wanted to call him Pattinson. Robert Pattinson, we played up top there. Um, we've gone for the 300-year-old Dracula approach, vampire approach. It's a change. We're changing things up. Um, I had some real connection issues today. I don't know whether it's the fact that Chester is a busy city on a sunny day, so there was lots of draw on the on the mobile internet that I need to rely on. I don't know, but it was pretty much unwatchable for the first 10 minutes. So I, there were two things they talked about that I did. I, I didn't get at the time. So um, there was a Lee's mistake. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and a Bannon shot that they talked about that I didn't get to see. I don't recall the Bannon shot. I recall Lee slipping over, though, don't I, Rich? Almost like I was looking, waiting for it to happen. Like I'm taking some (laughs) great delicious, delicious enjoyment from how terrible he's doing. Yeah, he slipped and then he, but then he saved himself. He did actually, to be fair, make a recovering touch. He made which, the mistake and made and the, and the fixed the mistake. Yeah, which is more than some people do. Let's be honest for 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 Sheffield Wednesday. Um, so had that touch, it basically kind of then went into Balassi. Um, Balassi maybe firing a warning shot as he um, mm. went in on and then struck wide on the angle. Yeah, yeah. So we had just to add to Neil Warnock. Enjoying, you know, lapping up the Schadenfreude of us, us in a poor position. Um, we also had the wonderful Giddy Aidings on uh, on the commentary, mm. um, and very early doors. <laughs> just, just made me glad that we you know, normally we we get our own commentators, but very early doors. Don't worry, folks, we'll co- keep you up to date with all the goings on at Donny and Chesy. Oh, do we have yeah. to? Yeah. Does that even the people at Chesley don't really care about Chesley? Most of them at this stage, surely. <laughs> so the first note really I have for Wednesday is Bannon plays a simple drifted ball to Borna, who balletically swivels, thinking he had all the time in the world, and hands possession to the waiting Balassi. Balassi can run, so Borna has no chance of catching him as he runs to the edge of the six-yard box, and his shot deflects into the top corner at the far post. Crushing. Yep. Predictable. Mm-hmm. Sick. <sighs> uh, completely unnecessary. Check. <laughs> and, you know, just with a vague hint that even after the mistake, probably the defending could have been better as well. Mm-hmm. The angle wasn't closed for him. Nobody mm-hmm. got to him. Mm-hmm. The block was weak. Um, I don't. I don't. Really, I couldn't really figure out what the deflection did. Did it sort of like squeeze it down against the floor so that it sort of bounced up higher than expected? Anyway, it was enough to beat Westwood, who was well placed. Although again, he could have come out and potentially narrowed an angle in a in a different situation. Heartbreaking. Uh, we yep. were then yep. given the news that uh, the derby had gone ahead, so we, mm. were, we were we were relegated for a period of time during this game. I, uh, one particular highlight for me it didn't re- unfortunately didn't result in a goal in the end, but twenty eight minutes or thereabouts, Reach often accused of bottling uh, tackles, just threw himself into like good and hard into a, a tackle that he knew he was going to get fouled in uh, and won a free kick on, on the sort of, sort of maybe 25 yards from the, from the goal. I was really, I mean, I was, I was surprised it was reach watching it back, but he took, he knew he was going to take the contact and he, he put himself in there to get, to get hit and win as the free kick that produced a, a scramble that, there must have been three or four different opportunities to shoot on goal that were just blocked or scuffed. Uh, and there was a, then we had a penalty. Uh, it was a penalty shout after the, they went out for a corner and, and from that corner, there was a penalty shout for Borna, but there didn't look to be much in it. It, it was a very spirited shout for a penalty, mm-hmm. but I didn't really see any 
contact on Borna that looked it didn't look like a foul to me. Did did you agree? Yeah, I thought it was it was more Burnham messing up that shot. To be honest with you, yeah, he's another one. He's another one that you know we talked about Palmer getting chances every game. Burner gets chances every game at the moment as well. Set pieces fall to him with very great much. regularity. Yeah, he's very much Julian Sperner at the moment, isn't he? Julian Sperner. Yeah, it's um, if he could if he could show a bit of composure, we would. You know, we're making chances. That's the. It's the good thing and the bad thing. <laughs> it would be more frustrating to not make the chances, but it's really, really frustrating to make the chances and miss them and feel that destiny's in your own hand, hands and not take it. So th- the 31st minute, we had another self-inflicted uh, scare as Windass rushed a, a short free kick to sort of at the referee, but he was aiming for Bannon. It was, wasn't hit hard enough to get to Bannon and it was cut <sighs> out. I think he was generous. I don't know what he was thinking in that situation. I think he thought he would hit it off the referee and moan at the ref. I genuinely think that was the idea. I don't know why, but I think he was just annoyed that the ref was like stood where he was looking and not reacting. But then the ref did, did react and move out of the way. <laughs> so he was left to look very foolish. Yes. And we were very lucky not to concede from that because... Um, they sort of charged up the 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 their left flank or our right flank, um, and it was a good cross to Balassi. And <sighs> even on a replay, I don't quite know how Borna didn't score an own goal in no, with his block. No, it, like even the third time, you're like, it's just going to drop inside the post, isn't it? Because it was just lolloping in that direction. Um, but thankfully, it didn't. It, it um, it then resulted in a corner and they had a really decent effort from there. Um, was it McNair that hit the shot from that corner? You, this was like Westwood's. That was McNair. Top, top yes. That was a brilliant save from Westwood. I must, must doff just, my cap in that situation. It's just curling into, it looked, just looked like it was curling into the top corner, the far corner. Mm-hmm. It was a really very, very decent hit. Um, and one of those Westwood, you know, rolling back the years and kind of saving it behind him. You know, almost you think it's gone past him and he manages to get a flick on it. Really, yeah, tremendous, tremendous save. And then we we once again managed to battle our way back into a game. So we've said that we've not looked like getting points after, mm. uh, after going behind, but we have twice now got an equaliser after going behind and fairly in fairly short order. So this was Green managed to isolate McNair on the right-hand side of their box, um, beat him very, very easily. Like um, McNair didn't really put a challenge in, beat the next defender, and then it was a third man in the middle. Would it be Bowler who gave away the penalty? I think it was. He did that classic. He stuck his foot out. Everybody saw him stick his foot out. Green went over and he sort of yanked it back really quickly and put his hands in the air. But there was no... The ref gave it. Everybody saw it, the foul being committed. It was a bit soft. It was kind of like encouraged contact, if you want to be generous. Um, But there was no real hesitation from from the referee in giving it. And there there was no protests from from Borough you know they knew they were sort of banged to rights obviously having missed 
a pivotal penalty that we 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 had last uh, last weekend. You wonder who's going to take our penalties. Uh, it was Windus that stood up, and it was very similar to Bannon's, but just hit with a bit more uh, conviction because the the keeper went the right way, but it was hit hard enough. It was a solid enough hit that it was in before the keeper sort of was able to get down there. What do you think it says about Bannon that Windus was given the opportunity to take it? Do you think it's a good thing that he was sort of like, he's acknowledged that maybe somebody's better than him to do it? Or do you think it's a, I'm just thinking like Rhodes has been so roundly criticized for not taking penalties at key moments for us. Mm-hmm. I'd like to think that this was quite good because Bannon sort of knows, you know, I'm, I've got too much sort of skin in the game here and it's too... I'd rather hand it to somebody else who's who's kind of got a bit more of a striker's mindset. That that would be my take on it. But uh, it's just interesting. I think I mean we'll we'll, we'll see as the the remainder of the season goes. Uh, but it was a yeah such a relief to get that and um, and a, a good a good solid penalty. Uh, then we had this sort of harrowing moment where forty second minute where Tom Lee's went up for a header. Um, he went in hard for the header, you know. I think both players did, uh, but no, but there was no foul from either side. It was a, a sort of evenly matched, kind of fifty-fifty. But immediately, Lee's howled as he as he hit the floor, um, and it looked like maybe his ankle or his knee went. It looked really bad. They didn't really show it again on the replay, which tends to mean it's 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 pretty nasty, mm-hmm. um, and the players looked pretty shook up as well. So. Uh, I haven't heard, I don't know whether there's anything in the sort of post. He's had an x-ray on his ankle. We don't think there's a fracture, which is pleasing. It's a blow to lose him. Uh, there's a chance for somebody else to step in. So maybe that's the end, you know, season ender for him, but but thankfully not, maybe not as bad as it could have been. Uh, Tom Lee's obviously heading towards being a, a free agent at the end of the season, it looks like. Yeah. And that's, you know, careers can just disappear with injuries like that, particularly at his age. So, yeah, ho- hopefully it's not as bad as it looked. It, it looked it looked pretty awful. Uh, but that meant Urigide came on after he was stretched off. And I did sort of put a note to sort of say, I wonder what effect that will have on teammates. Because you could see, in particular, Reach looked pretty shook up on the sidelines. And, you know, sometimes it can be... a We'll do it for Tom Lee's sort of thing, and sometimes it can be, I don't want to go in for another tackle because look what can happen to you. You know, it can. It can right. Then the overall collective, you know, I can't believe this stuff again. Basically, yeah, with that too. Erikide looked bright from the off. He 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 got he sort of forty uh, eighth minute once once we got back back into mm. play, he was straight into the action with a great sort of interception slash sort of pinching the ball off uh, off a Middlesbrough man on the halfway line and worked forward a bit, played it into Patterson, who didn't do the best job with it. But uh, but then Urugide sort of challenged the centre-back for the ball and it broke to Reach, who just put his head down and smashed it goalward. And that in, that in itself produced a great save from Archer. That was a very strong hand he had to. That to, was a brilliant one-handed stop yeah. from him. Yeah, I had, so many times that's going to go in, basically, just at that pace at that angle. Uh, yeah, how he well got, he got a hold of it, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Would you say that he knocked the cover off it, Rich? 
He knocked. He absolutely knocked the bloody cover off him. <laughs> <laughs> any other any other sort of bits and pieces from from the first half? No, I, I'm glad you covered that. I, you confused me for a second when you said 48th minute because I thought that was going into the second half of which <laughs> are the actual regular 48 minutes. Yes, sorry, um, yes, yes. 45 plus 3, I guess, technically. Yeah, there was a moment I think you maybe missed at the beginning. I don't know if you saw this or you didn't. At the 12th minute mark, there was a brilliant kind of spring forward and we got the ball to green and he kind of did what I've been doing in my Pro Evolution Soccer uh, career mode right now, which is basically you think you have so much pace, you're just gonna you're just gonna run rings around the uh, the opposition defense to the point where you just give away the ball, and that yeah. was basically what Andre Green did. He just lolled around with the ball and then was dispossessed. Mm-hmm. And it was a really really good moment, kind of you know going forward. We feel like a bit of momentum there. Um, I said Giddings can't talk today. It's like a robot doing jazz. <laughs> I thought, by and large, it was a pretty tedious game of football. I, I don't know yeah. what to kind of think about that game of football prior to... I think we became a lot more kind of alert and alive, and it became a lot more end-to-end after after we made... after Burner made the clangor for us to concede first. Yeah. There was a lot of... Ner- I, it, there was a lot of nervous energy from the team. I think you could really sense... Mm. Several players are feeling the weight of this situation. And I wonder if there's a little part of you is like, once you've made the howler and been punished for it, it's almost like the worst thing's happened. So mm. maybe that eases a pressure in a strange way. <laughs> I don't know. You don't, Nobody wants to be the one that makes the mistake. And then when somebody else has done it, maybe, hey, at least I'm not, at least I'm not doing as bad as Burner. I don't yeah, know. I know. I mean, we we know what needs to happen. We need the players to play with a sense of belief and a sense of, you know, purpose and creativity. We need those. We need performances like we did against Cardiff, right? We need yeah. the shackles to be taken off, and then, you know, we take go and take the uh, go and take these uh, these old mercurial Rolls Royces for a spin for the weekend. Rich, that's all we need to do. <laughs> Was it Mary? Mary. Took the shackles off my feet so I could dance. Just popped into my head when you were talking about shackles off. So we, yeah, we just... Uh, the, the flip side of that is if you go and get that early goal, we tend to relax and play a lot better for the rest of the half. I, I think what happened... Well, uh, I can maybe save this for... I'll save it for the end, but I think that nervous... Uh, it's worrying to me that they are so visibly showing the strain of the situation. I, I've, I mean, I, I've no idea what it's like to. I know players are accused of of not caring and whatever and shirking and things like that. Mm. But the ones who do, I think there are several players in this team that do care, um, undoubtedly. Whether they've got the ability or not is another question. Whether they're all well organised mm. enough or not is another question. But I, I think there's a lot of players care, and at the moment, I think it's been shown in an unhelpful way, because caring, because like be, caring being shown by being worried and tense and nervous means you do things like Bernard did today, yeah, and performances right. like Cardiff happen because you're playing unencumbered by nerves and you're just you're in that you know flow state and things like that is how mm. good. What happens? We need them to play some Tetris before they get on the pitch, don't we? 
<laughs> something like that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, that's interesting because I mean, I don't know that, that but that seems like there's so much nerves that you're going to make a clanger which seems so lackadaisical and so yeah. it's, like, it's like you're not you're not applying yourself, right? He. <laughs> Well, I think we'll have time to do a, a post-mortem on Burner because guess what, folks? No, but he's I... Got, he's got another telling mistake to come. <laughs> no, but I just <laughs> want to kind of like, while we're talking about this in general, like yeah. you're saying, you know, players do care and I get that, but that's it still feels a bit of a kind of knives out who done it in terms of who cares, really. Yeah. No, I, do, I mean, it's. <laughs> I'm sure you could ask... Yeah, you could do a um, a Family Fortunes esque survey of which Sheffield Wednesday players care, and you, get very, <laughs> you might get very different differing answers from different people. Mm. But to me, I think it. I feel like I'm watching a team that is trying very hard and failing. But the problem is, it comes comes across that there isn't any application or trying or effort. Yeah, which I, I get the point. Like you need to. You know, so okay, well, well let's let, let's talk about Borna because you know he he I, I think we're likely to he's going to be villain of the piece. I think you, you know, need like, to the, you need to spend midweek getting um, getting Liv Tyler to clean off the car like one night at McCool's. Basically, you've got to kind of you've got to lavishly and rather sexually uh, you know clean clean off the Rolls Royces to get them ready for the weekend, Rich. <laughs> but look at Ber- look at so Burner. I think there's a couple of things going on, but to me, I just remembered like well, I've seen the, the Gary Neville um, has ha- had a lot to say this week about the uh, the European Super League, but um, I quite like when he talks about his experiences and and um, I've, I t- I tend to feel he's quite open and honest about. About the game and particularly his late late career, I, I find it very refreshing the way he talks about it. And basically, he talks about the last two or three seasons. He knew he didn't have the recovery pace that he used to, and he basically went into every game with the mentality of "Don't be the one that makes the mistake." And that's not a great place to play football from. It's not a good good place to operate from anyway. You know, I think that's a sort of failing, you know, if you're in a failing business and things like that, what you tend to find is there is a a culture of cover your backside. It's not my fault. It's somebody else's fault. And like, it's mm. all about apportioning blame. But for me, Bernard looks like he's in that mindset of, I better not, I can't miss out on this. I can't lose the ball here. I can't do et cetera, et cetera. And it's all because he doesn't have, he's never catching anybody again. He's never getting a second bite of the cherry. And the the fact, if your whole mindset is I better not do X, yeah, the likelihood of you doing X is increasing. <laughs> it's increasingly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and that's what it feels like with me with Burner. It's like, I'll oh, better not do that. I better not put myself in. And like today with Balassi against him, that's a nightmare, isn't it? Because he's big, he's physical, he's quick. And that is, he will have been thinking, oh, I, I can't get myself in situations where it's like one-on-one with, with Balassi. And then, lo and behold, that just seems to happen again and again, and he gets shown up again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, 
he just looks done to me. And we talked about him being done towards the end of last season, and maybe that was a bit premature. But this, he just looks ragged and his race is run. I don't know what we do. We don't have another left-sided centre-back. We don't um, even have any centre-backs. No, well, that's true as well. But again, like I, this is a difficult thing, is we've had continual management say, this is how we want to play. We want to play with three centre-backs. Yeah. You know, if this is a 3-5-2 or a 3-4-3 or a 3-4-1-2, seems to be something that seems to be liked by continual rotations of management. Yeah. It's disappointing, though, because we're redlining those options. We're redlining those options before Tom Lee's goes off injured. We're redlining yeah. those options before players continually pull clangers. We're redlining those options because we have no great personnel to step in this. I, I don't... Oh. I was, We're re- getting I was really worried by the side of seeing Urihide and Burner together. That is not a... It's a comedy partnership, but it's not a comedy <laughs> partnership obviously, at this football club, to be honest with you. But we, we have so few options in this. So, like, the question becomes... We have very few options at fullback. We've got very full option, very few options throughout the team in general. Well, the, yeah, I think, and I think the injuries are telling, aren't they? They're, they're the injuries up. are telling, exactly. We've not cleared any of the inju- the long term injuries from January. None of them have come back, and were just added to the list, haven't right. we? So just an ever decreasing so, list of options. Like I was asking and saying to you, like before the podcast started, I was like, well. I don't think we've ever... When was the last time we've seen Liam Shaw at centre-back? Uh, maybe hit that good, really good game in the cup. Yeah. And then we don't seemingly have, kind of outside of Arahide, any great kind of young options who seem to be kind of coming through, well, with the no. exception of Shaw that we've just mentioned. But again, there's, there's something there to say that the management doesn't think that's an option. Mm. Mm. So I, outside I, of that, I who else have we... Who Sorry, else have we got? Odebarjo's done. He's yeah. out for the season. He's done. We've, we're hearing now that I think Ayolfa is Back know, running, seemingly doing some, yeah, has some kind of running, not even into contact training. So yeah. he's very much removed. You know, the, the, the decision, I mean, the hilarity that we had the Cardiff game and we got to see Aidan Flint just made to look like an absolute muppet. Yes. Really against against Sheffield Wednesday, his former, you know, club who signed him on loan. But the fact that we said, Oh, we don't want to extend his loan Yeah. Because it frees up another loan place and then we yeah. didn't do anything with that. No. Was absolutely heartbreaking. It's very there's just continual baffling decisions There are, of- there are. They're incredibly poor decisions. Oh that seemed to be like there's nothing said definite in quote, but that seemed to be said by the media so yeah that makes me think like i, I don't want to go and accuse and i don't believe that in that situation any of the star journalists are liars i think no. they've been told that i think that that's what they've been that's what they've been informed i think that i i so that is one of those decisions though where but there's a, there's a host of these decisions there's a host of these decisions come into the season with Kieran Westwood, who you've decided to kick out to the sidelines, mm. who seemingly, for whatever reason, we can't get, find a way to get him out of the club on a big salary, which kind of happens when you sign players on big salaries and then you ostracize them from the club 
and maybe their previous performances haven't been so incredible for a man entering his late 30s. So he's yeah. managed to come in, but then you, you've, like, it was a very damning decision. And I, I want to know, I'd love to know, I'd, I'd love to pick Gary Monk's brain on a lot of things. You know, whether that, whether that, whether that decision laid with Gary Monk or the management at the time, or mm. whether that was just a budgetary thing to say that we can't do this, like we needed another goalkeeper because the options are not good enough. Well, it's yeah. It's difficult I've... to say that you've got three goalkeepers and that one is someone who has been perceived by numerous managements to be a problem. And at that time and that, that whatever regime has ostracized him and kicked him out to the side to train on his own with the kids or with mm. the kids, whatever it is. And then to say, well, we can't afford to get another goalkeeper in because we've got these other two goalkeepers, but they're not good enough at this level. Like you need to make, you need to make these commitments to stay in the championship. We don't have enough centre-back options in general without the fact that we say, let's play three of them. Yeah. And then we lose, we lose Iorfa. Um, we signed Aidan Flint, but for some, you know, then he picked up an injury and then went back and then we said, no, we don't want him back for some, for that stupid reason that we just mentioned. So, but then, so just so on the Aidan low. Flint front, yeah. the, nobody knows what the future looks like. So that is a guy who has not played that much football for two or three years. We played him for four games and his body completely broke and he needed surgery Returning from surgery when you're past your 30th birthday is no given mm. returning anywhere near what you what you've been previously. And so we could so it just could have easily been that we say, do you know what? Yeah, we've got Aidan Flint. We'll, we'll yeah, we'll have him back. And then he doesn't kick a ball for the rest of the season. I mean, look at um, Mario. We kept him on and. We've, you know, has he played twice since or something like that? Probably. And he's injured again. So it could have just as easily, we could just as easily been sat here going, oh, so stupid that we we kept Flynn when we had the option to say they could have him back and use it for somebody else. The problem is we didn't sign anybody else. It's not, oh, no. I don't yeah. think the decision on its own is a bad one. I no, think it's I don't think it's a pivotal thing that resists surely around 100% around Aidan Flynn. And plus, we were told that Flint was, you know, rolling back the years and performing wonders at Cardiff. And the one performance we've seen from him was god awful. And 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 Cardiff have sort of dropped from playoff places. They were third at one point, and they're now they're not even really in the they're not in the conversation anymore. So I, I mean. Yeah, I know. I know it's not the be all and end all, but it's it's endemic of a pattern of behaviour that is damaging to us and us alone, really. But this is the thing: like, if it's not going to be these options, we need more options. We need more players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I don't know whether it's a situation where where the owner, where, where Chancery is saying this this I can't afford to do this, or I don't want to do this. Like I think that's the thing that I'm wondering about. This is like you have to give you have to give so much money to this football team to do surgery to improve them. If you don't do it, you lose even more on your. You know, it's well, I think failure this, is expensive as well. Well, this is it. Like it's expensive doing it right, or it's expensive coasting. It would be expensive to come twentieth in this league. Yeah, you know, twentieth, twenty-first. Basically, whatever we need to do to scrape out of relegation, that's expensive. It's even more expensive to not do it at all. 
just the most baffling decisions in terms of recruitment this year. It's just been so awful. But then, I don't know, like at times I, I felt like with every sign that we made, it, it felt like it made sense at the time. It felt like it was decent. All of them on paper sounded good. Yeah. But the problem is there's just there's so much more surgery needed than what we did. And what we did was a lot of surgery. The biggest single decision was was around the goalkeeping at the club and whether that was Monk's choice or whether it was forced upon him. That has had... We we will go... Like, maybe by some miracle we survive. Maybe by... But probably we go down. And we will go down by not very much over the course of a season. And mm. I think undoubtedly having a decent goalkeeper that we could rely on consistently that might save a penalty once in a while, that might save a surefire goal once in a while and talks to his defence and calms them down and stops them dropping deep and all the rest of the things that you expect from a goalkeeper would have added points. Yeah, it's 10, 15 points. We would be better off with a good goalkeeper than we are with the old broken down man who occasionally gives glimmers of the I, his past glory, or two kids, who two gangly old kids that are not kids anymore and still make mistakes like they are the tiniest of children. They play like 15-year-olds just out of the academy, but they are both 25. It's not funny or cute anymore. I, I agree. I think it's damning. I think it's damning. I don't want to keep saying this like... Um, I know. Like we're no, but we're attributing to mentalities around football that are kind of ingrained to us because there's the weird thing about football that it is changing and is evolving, but also it doesn't really evolve that much. You know, yeah. Still, a lot of the kind of classic idioms are still, and I don't think we're outdated. By I, I really don't think, even though I'm worried that when I say this, I'm quite, I feel like I'm because I'm quoting Brian Clough, like a good goalkeeper <laughs> gets you ten, fifteen points a season. Yeah. It's true. It's true, and it would have made such a difference. <sighs> but yeah, ten, 10 points would be us feeling pretty confident that we'll be all right in the last two games. And yet the hilarity of all this is like, it's it's been close. We are close. We are close yeah. to surviving. And we look back at this, and there's so many missed opportunities, so many basic errors that have been very costly time and time again. There's no... There's no individual. It's death by a thousand cuts, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what's a weird thing? Sorry, this has just struck me about Sheffield Wednesday. Mm. How often do we go for... So we're going for bargain bucket, you know, so more often than not. <laughs> we, are, we are, you know, we're looking for the... We're in the yellow stickers. You know, we're not we're not buying fresh off the shelf, okay? So you generally end up with two options there a fusty old thing that maybe has a little bit of life left in it. Yep. yep. Or a young thing that maybe has the potential to do so much more. Yep. And given that decision again and again and again over the history of the club, or at least the recent history of the club, we pick the fusty old apple that we hope isn't rotten inside, even though it does have quite a suspect patch on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> and then we bite in, and it's, it's full of worms. I was just going to say there is a cartoon worm coming out with like a Richard Scary hat. And <laughs> yeah, but we hope that's the only one, and, and he's friendly. It's just me, and then you bite into it, and it's like, oh, sorry, 
I forgot about my f- four cousins. Who live in it's mealy and tasteless and <laughs> sends us into a Snow White-esque sleep. <laughs> but so often when we go for the the it's paid off for us. Like we sold Lucas Schwau for good money, and if he if his career continues in the way it looks like it's going, we'll continue to get paid off for that. We sold Brunt for good money. We sold um, Antonio for good money. You know, like it's weird that even when that other way works for us, we still persistently do go the other direction. Oh, oh, what a what a football team this is. Hey everyone, Luke Gravy here, and I'm sorry to interrupt another fascinating and four episode on another Sheffield Wednesday capitulation, but I want to plug our amazing sponsors Manscaped. Manscaped are true pioneers in men's below-the-waist grooming, and their cutting-edge men's grooming technology will make sure you won't have any unfortunate nicks when trimming your nether regions. That's why we're delighted to be associated with the men's grooving revolution caused by Manscaped. They have so many great products, but I'm absolutely made of the perfect package 3.0, which contains, amongst the many things, the Lawnmower 3.0. This is skin-safe technology to ensure maximum safety, and it even has a cool blue light so you can see exactly how great the work it does. You can use it in the shower as it's waterproof, and even last 90 minutes thanks to the excellent battery. Afterwards, you can use a ball toner and ball deodorants, and they will make sure you're feeling clean and confident. And smell amazing too. I want you to feel the same confidence that I have from using Manscaped products, and how I take that confidence into this podcast into depicting just how bad Joey Pelopesi is, or having a full-blooded and hearty sigh of my beloved Sheffield Wednesday letting me down again. If you use the special promo code GRAVYBALLS today, then not only you'll be supporting this podcast, but you'll score yourself a sweet 20% off and free shipping. That's www.manscaped.com, and use the promo code GRAVYBALLS today. Manscaped, your balls will thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, should we get through this second half? Let's do that. <laughs> so I, I I tried to do several things to fix my internet issues, and um, that resulted in me missing <laughs> probably the first ten minutes of the second half. As oh well. no! So I missed a, the Windass sitter. Was then the thing that the they Windass talked about sitter. a lot. Yeah, really great work down the left from Andre Green. He kind of got into a really good situation. Pull the ball back. Windass is there, probably about kind of. I don't know, 12, 15 feet away, you know, in the box Mm. from the goal. And just the most kind of lackadaisical foot he put on it to just kind of put it. (laughs) I love telling you, just hearing your reaction to my words like it's new information. (laughs) He didn't score it, I'm afraid to tell you. I can picture it. I can picture it. Uh, And that would have been such a great time to score as well early in that second half. It was... Like it was like a side foot, but then his angle on the side foot was just so open. Ugh. It was just, it just, it was so terrible. Really, really bad. I must say, I, I do think, I do think that is the worst of the two sitters that we missed oh in the second oh half. Well, speaking of sitters, the roads, the next thing, the, 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 uh, there was a little bit of knockabout. So, I mean, if you have notes from, from minutes, um, mm. 71 do feel free but uh, my first thing really is patterson coming coming off for roads which minute was that do you remember 71st okay um between the 
there was a really good moment on the oh, the fifty eighth minute. Just felt like it. It felt like one of those many things for Sheffield Wednesday. Like you see moments. You see moments where they're chinking the armor from the opposition defenders, and mm. on the fifty eighth minute, we got a corner from absolutely nowhere from a really awful skewed slice clearance from Grant Hall. Okay. Grand Hall, who I think I look at and think he's a bit of a kind of, he's a bit of a duffer, isn't he? He's a bit of a roundabout championship duffer. Yeah. Very, but maybe very much notes of kind of, a little bit kind of notes of Darren Purse I'm getting from this glass of Grand Hall wine. <laughs> and then that corner, the corner didn't do anything, but they got Windass on the side and then he basically won as another corner and then okay. that didn't do much. Uh, yeah, and the sixty-second minute, I thought there was a brilliant moment. Reach nearly scintillatingly got into the box. Do you remember that bit? There was a kind of sprung through ball, and it was going to go on. Oh reach. yeah, and it looked like the keep the defender had dived in rashly and was going to give a pen away, but actually managed to poke the ball back to the goalkeeper. That was a good moment. I lo- I loved how I thought it was a great ball from Pelopesi. Mm. Oh no, sorry, it wasn't Pelopesi. It was um, it was Uruguide. He looked sort of stuck for options, and then poked a did a little sort of chipped ball over the nearest man into the middle there, and and Reach really attacked it and and sort of burst through the two defenders. That was that was a very a very good nearly nearly moment. Yeah, I mean, there's still some questions about what he would do if he would get to and reach it, but it it looked it looked so close. Like really scintillatingly yeah. there, and like a, that was a really great last ditch interception from it whoever was. the Borough defender was. Probably Grant Hall because I've slagged him off. So probably was Hall. Yeah, yeah. Probably was. You were slagging him off in your mind. You were writing your note about how he was a duffer, and he did that. <laughs> <laughs> the seventieth minute, I guess, for the substitution. You're going to say for this coming on from yeah. Rhodes. I said, "Is Rhodes the answer?" And if Rhodes is the answer, then what is the question? I've, I I I put I put pretty poor outing from Patterson, uh, and then I said, "Is that are there any teeny tiny drops of juice left in these tired, sad, desiccated roseberries?" <laughs> <laughs> he really got zinged by um, yes. Andy Giddings as he yeah. came on. And Brian Law said um, mm-hmm. he really got to pick it up after the last few games, and then he gets like last four years, more like <laughs> bloody idiot. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and you know, I, I enjoyed, that was one of my few moments of enjoying Andy Giddings today. <laughs> there weren't many, mm. and then we've got another burner mistake. Another sort of panicking instead of clearing the ball uh, and ending ending up giving away a corner that he didn't need to. And those, I always just feel ominous when those happen. We never punish teams for doing it to us, as exampled by uh, the whole one previously. But we always seem to get, I know there's confirmation bias in this, but we always, yeah. every single time, 100% of the time, get punished when we don't need mm-hmm. to give away a, a, a set piece and we do. And uh, that so gangly schoolboy that Colin threw on for a laugh mm. was given a free header. Sorry, what was your note? Sorry. I went to say, just 72 minutes, Bernard, this is pretty much just, I did this before we actually got into what happens next. So I said, Bernard spurns it wide for corner. The rest of his team seems to traipse, traipse back in disbelief. <laughs> it just was so unnecessary. <laughs> the situation... Like of the percentages of what 
would happen in that scenario you know if the like um question of sport what happens next it, ending up in a corner is like it's such a low percentage choice but uh when Berners on on the uh on the ball you just you just never know he always finds a way mm-hmm. life finds a way and so does Berner. so disappointing it was a great header but it was a free header in the middle well, of the box. I, yeah, it was a good header, but I don't know how much you can say. I mean, they did the quick kind of short corner routine, which seemed to work. Yeah. Whip it in, which was surprising. But, you know, maybe not more surprising than to Urahidi the concept of challenging for a header, which is something that he doesn't want to do. Yeah. Which, you know, I've said this before. You know, if, if he wants a football career as a defender and he wants to play centre-back, he's going to have to learn to challenge for headers. I just... That's one of those conundrums where I feel for Uragide because I don't know why he's the man marking such a tall player. Like I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> but that's like every Sheffield Wednesday player. I guess so. Wow! I just went to see how tall Coburn is um, on on who scored, and apparently he is naught centimeters and he weighs naught kilograms. So it's just a guess. He's just a gas. <laughs> he, he is Will. He is Will of the Wisp. As a His ether rose at the far post and uh, <laughs> oh, the near post and flicked it into the far post. But he looked massive. I mean, he looked gangly. He, he, all he had was his height, but he looked an absolute towering colossus. Six three years. How how tall is Urigide? Not that tall. Five five. Not 11. that tall. Oh. He looks he looks like the kind of Tom Lee's smallest six foot man in the world. Six two apparently according to a celebrity. He's six two. Celeb height wiki, he's six two apparently. And and there is no no higher source than celeb height wiki, is there? If he's six two, then Napoleon's six foot. <laughs> well he had a complex about it, didn't he? Couldn't stop telling people he was six foot tall. Well, he just he, he was just that you know he's like the fact that he wasn't six six one. But I, I sort of <laughs> the thing. I suppose what I'm saying. It's a shame because I thought Irigide had a a, half, a good half generally or a good performance generally. But mm. yeah, he he was just wrestling. He wasn't going up for the ball at all. But what I I just wonder what you do in those positions where well if if he ends up with a straight jump, I, you can't beat him to the header so i there must be other there must be other ways to manage that but maybe i don't know maybe just doesn't have, didn't have the strength or i don't know or maybe it was just a good enough ball or the people weren't in positions because of the short corner routine i don't know it didn't look good it did not yeah. look good yeah. so it's it's compounding it's a it's an error from burner produces the set piece and then an error from origido gives them the, the goal I think I'm going to have to definitely give the blame to Berner, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's no need. There's you do everything for the Berner football out. Yeah. yeah. 76th minute, the, <laughs> the other sitter that you alluded to. Mm-hmm. This age-old lie that Jordan Rhodes is good, just starved of service, is proven false once again because Reach's ball was perfect. He put it on his head in the middle of the goal and 
Jordan produced a gorgeous, gentle-headed back pass, lovingly delivered back to the goalkeeper's hands. He didn't need to move. Mm-hmm. Um, he just sort of put his hands up and it, 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 it just enveloped it naturally because it was so well placed uh, straight down his, the middle of his hands. Disappointing. It was a, uh, another timely, you know, we get a goal then, who knows, momentum shifts. But we ended up conceding the next goal. Uh, 82nd minute and I've put there's that Westwood that got dropped earlier in the season welcome back I'm not a fan Westwood involved in a weird sort of pushing match with Watmore like shoving his head with his glove and then the ball went over Westwood so he sort of star jumped at midair underneath the ball the header gets flicked back over his head and Watmore who he'd been wrestling with just pokes it into the open net I'm sure there's a cacophony of errors in there, but watching Westwood, it was like, yeah, I remember. I remember you just trying to punch it through a crowd of people where you were literally six feet away from mm-hmm. making any contact with the ball and selling yourself. It just did not look good from a a senior pro in goal to be behaving the way that he did. Yeah. And a death knell sort of goal to concede. He did produce an okay save in the 85th minute. It was sort of at, straight at him, but he held it well. It was another free header from another set piece. Yep. The defending just went to pieces today. That's it from my notes. Luckily, we lived to fight another day because Derby, Derby lost. They conceded two goals to our previous sort of villain of the piece uh, uh, for many Wednesday games, uh, just Justovich or whatever he's called, the ginormous front man who has, yeah, has beasted us on occasions, did the same to Derby mm, County. Yukovitz. Yeah, yeah. And scored scored twice to make it 2-1 there for, for Birmingham. But lucky. I mean, completely lucky. This was an abject failure second half to, to, to turn up at all, really. Dreadful defending. I, I thought... That's where I'm sort of talking about the nervous energy. I thought this was kind of like it was the bottle crashing. Uh, We tired ourselves out with all of that sort of frenetic nervous energy and just looked like we didn't have very much left from quite fairly early on in the second half. There just wasn't any conviction in the way that we were moving. You know, we'd clear ahead, we'd clear a ball into the box fairly well. But then their second and third waves were really easy for them because we just didn't break out of defence in any with any real conviction or or sort of energy behind us. I thought we could have changed Patterson earlier. I thought Patterson had a really bad game today. He just looked error prone and cumbersome all all the way through. I suppose the question is who do you change him for? And obviously the answer then is Rhodes. And is that better? Is a bad Patterson better than a bad roads I don't know um, and I thought Green was done by about the hour mark as well yeah yeah I think that's fair I mean galling that it's Warnock as the architect and um, Giddy aiding salivating throughout in a manner that really made me worry for their recording equipment uh, <laughs> but what are the what are your sort of takeaways uh, end of the game just a, it's just another entry and yeah and disappointment really i i was kind of hoping that it would i don't know maybe i was kind of hoping it'd be done today 
It'd be nice to just yeah. have like a couple of like games where there's no expectation, and then we can just watch. We can just watch those games and just think. We can just maybe just enjoy it for a game of football because there's no, mm. there's no. Oh, Wednesday need to do this. It's like we know what they need to do. I think the players know what they need to do. You know, but it doesn't doesn't make it any closer to happening, right? No. And I think I think the fragility of the defence. Every team in this league is good enough to put together a, a a bit of play and score a goal. It's so it almost becomes when they score is is almost the most important thing. Uh, if they score before us, then they've won. If we get to score a couple before they score, then we might cling on for dear life towards the end. We very rarely keep a clean sheet. Yep. But we nearly always score at the moment. So if we can <laughs> if we can ha- somehow magic up 90 minutes where we don't shoot ourselves squarely in the foot defensively, we get, we have half a chance because we are making chances. Annoyingly, they're all falling to Berner and Palmer who have no means of taking those chances. But they're happening. Yeah. And we'll get the odd... Get, we could end up having another game like Cardiff where we it all clicks and we get lots of goals because we are making that that number of chances on a regular basis. And I think that's the only positive to cling to. Everything else is kind of falling apart. Weirdly, Origide being in the defence, I know I know there are there's big, big questions about him. He does have some pace mm-hmm. and having a bit of recovery pace might not be a bad thing uh in general with that back three. Uh, because if you if you're relying on Tom Lees to be the guy that bails everybody out with his stunning recovery pace that's uh that puts you in a bad spot because he's not he's not particularly wonderful at that and obviously Hutch is <laughs> way off burner has none uh so maybe as a mix it might it might it has a chance to work but this second half was not a good showing for it because defensively we were all over the shop yeah so oh i mean yeah we we so we we survive by the skin of our teeth, we we get another week of nervous, nervous energy. The hope that everybody says I, it's the hope that kills you. Yeah. Well, I I just generally just think there have been so many weeks this season where I feel like I can say that Wednesday a very predominantly a bad football team in this division. Mm. But when you kind of analyze it, when we put it on the microscope as we do here on Different Gravy, you know, chatting to you, Rich, I'm always like. It's not that, f- it, you know, there are fine margins between yeah. being a degree of competency, between being one of the many mid-table chaff I see, but between yes. positions 14 to 19 within this league. You know, I, I feel like previously, I feel like the disappointment has always been for me. We know we know at Sheffield Wednesday, we know what they do to us. We know we've seen this one before on many occasions. mm but I I feel like previously I've wanted to say that that it's um that it's not far off and that there are these fine margins that like if we made some tweaks or we had a few different bits of personnel or a different approach then it would have made the difference and I mean that's the funny thing is like we would have people have said you know I was seeing someone else talk saying this like you know if we'd replaced Monk with Moore we'd be safe by yeah that. yeah 
if we hadn't had those awful 10 games with Pulis. And too long with Thompson. That's the other thing. Mm. It's the com- it's the combination. I think Thompson was given too much rope as well. But it looked like it was it looked like for a while it was good enough under Thompson. It started yeah, it started okay. Yeah, fair enough. But I think today is definitely the day that I'm like, I don't think we don't we don't deserve the opportunity to compete in the last day of the season. No. It's been previously glad that there's a thin there's a thin margin four points. That's that's doable. And then we're going in to play Derby on the last game of the season, who were atrocious. They're in such atrocious form. They don't score many goals. They haven't conceded quite as many as us, but they've scored lesser goals than us. Their form has been woeful. You know, there probably is needs to be like five teams relegated from the championship for being poor. (laughs) Well, yeah, because we talked about how bad Huddersfield are as well. Yeah, exactly. I don't know, but it That's could be completely I mean, immaterial because we've now got this, we've got the crazy thing with um, Rotherham, Rotherham's games. Well, that's the thing. It could be we're, we're so fixated on how we compare to Derby, but if Rotherham pull a result or two together in their final four, it doesn't actually, we could, we could finish ahead of Derby and still be relegated. Yeah, if Rotherham pull the finger out, then it doesn't matter. And... <laughs> It'll also be quite funny if Derby were in the League One with us. Yeah, that would be quite funny. Mm. And their games are sort of metered out as well. So they've got one midweek game. So they catch up on one of their games in hand this week. And then they catch up on the other next week. So rather than... it, I, I thought at one point they were doing like three games in a week. Um, but that, that, that seems to have... They seem to have caught up to the extent where they're now just doing two two games a week. Uh, but who knows how, you know, if Brent, Brentford now finally can't get the automatic places, what sort of effect does that have for them? Mm. Uh, they, that, that's the next game. Who knows? But there are teams, I'm just looking at it, Queen's Park Rangers are 10th with a minus goal difference. It's a really weird league, this. I, I mean, know. it's always I weird. Know. I know. Birmingham have got, yeah, Birmingham have got minus 17 and they're in 16th place. Yeah. But I, I think you're right. I mean, today is like you have earned yourself the chance. It would be so Wednesday, though, if, if the you know, it's like, well, that was the last chance to loon, but it wasn't really the last chance to loon. We'll, we'll play when it's actually the last <laughs> chance. It's, you know, just whatever little modicum of space we have, we take up. Yeah, it's... It's been a strange old season, and I would like—I wouldn't mind, you know, if today was the day and it was, you know, we're down. I, what I would like is a bit more clarity about what next season looks like. I would like to look forward to next season one way or the other, mm. uh, regardless of what division we're in. Really, I'd like to know that Darren Moore was going to remain our manager, you know, health allowing. I'd like to know. Do we have some players to build around? You know, it, if it's next season, regardless of division, and we've got we've got Bannon, Hunt, Arigide, I don't know, part. You know, like we could. There are players that will probably be like we would expect to be with us in anything like a normal season. We would expect to be with us whether we go up or down, whether we stay up or, or go down. Like I would, what you know, Palmer cannot be on such a prohibitive wage that we couldn't keep him on surely 
I don't know. I know we need to slough off a lot of these big earners, and that's great. I mean, almost all of the excesses of the early Chancery era are gone at the end of this season. I know, I know. Just a question of who remains, right? And who's going to come mm. in? I mean, really, Bannon will be the only big money guy left. Depends what type of wage we're giving to uh, Traction Mass, or doesn't it, I guess? Well, that too, I suppose, yeah. Mm-hmm. Has he got another year? He does. Good, eh? <laughs> another year on the treatment table. There we go. Oh, mate, it's the best. It's absolutely the best. The messages you can get. Oh, it's so good. Oh, tra- traction mass, just having a rub down way as a Tim Tam Slam. Fantastic. <laughs> how, much money, how much money are we giving him for that again? Oh, <laughs> worth every penny. Let's get, Q- let's get QPR on the phone. <laughs> just want to thank you again. He is such a lovely patient. <laughs> <laughs> so, villain of the piece? It's got to be Burner, hasn't it? It's got to be Burner. <laughs> Once again, unfortunately. Uh, let's give a brief break to Irohide. Who, yeah, I think he made some important points. I think he got forward well. Yeah. So, and he could have had an assist. I mean, as you say, that Archer save was top draw from um, mm. from from Adam Reach, and and you know, easily kind of fifty fifty, if not favouring the striker more often than not. It was it was a yeah, it was a, it was a very good good hand he got to it. Um, it was hit with the sort of pace that sometimes you get a hand to it and it still sneaks in, you know, it was that kind of a hit and Archer managed to, mm. to keep it out. Um, any honorable mentions? I like Reach today. I thought Reach was pretty good. I yeah. Think. He was unfortunate not to bag. He's playing with, whether it's a shop window attitude or, or it is he's, you know, he's bought in and he cares. Mm. He's or playing. Maybe, maybe he's the butler, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, the butler did it he cared <laughs> he left he left a little care package for us yes yeah but he's he's putting the effort in Adam Reach and I think mm. he's producing quality crosses he's having decent shots um, when him and Windass and Bannon combine quite often nice things are happening on that, that flank and Green added into that Today, Bannon was pretty anonymous today, wasn't he? It wasn't his best game. I don't think he was bad by any stretch of the imagination. No, but like we didn't. Uh, we're not. We weren't. We weren't supping on those Bannon berries, were we? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> the most persistent bit of imagery in the in the podcast <laughs> podcast <laughs> the berries, the juice. The um. No, I th- I agree. I would go along. I thought I thought Reach um, Reach played a played a great part. And I mean, if Rhodes hits it anywhere else, it's a goal. Um, and he it was his cross as well. I think for Palmer's weird karate kick thing that he did as well. We didn't really mention that because it was such a bad shot, but it was a good cross and a good opportunity. <laughs> that was the one where uh, Brian Laws wanted him to do a diving header. I think if he'd done a diving header, he would have been much better off. <laughs> you ever seen Liam Palmer do a diving header in your life? 
If only he'd done a triple back swivel. If only he'd taken off his mask and we found out it was Lionel Messi all along. (laughs) Edison Cavani in in the shape of Liam Palmer. (laughs) Windass was a bit something as well. I mean, he scored a pen, which was was a very mistaken penalty, but but yeah, outside of that, I don't know. Disappointing day all round. What did you think of Green starting? I thought Green was okay. I thought he had his moments. I still, I think there are still better than recent. Won the pen. Yeah. May as well start next game, I guess. Who else are you going to play? Yeah, I could put up with some more of those mazy, mazy runs like he won the pen with. I'd see that. I'd watch that a few times. Yeah. Do you remember when the? <laughs> do you remember when Kadeem Harris was any good? Oh, vaguely, but it is getting a. It's getting so long, a fainter and fainter image in my it's mind. A long time ago. Yeah, he's such a frustrating guy. I mean, his his first album wasn't uh, Jagged Little Pill, but definitely <laughs> this, this second season is supposed infatuated former junkie. <laughs> what do they call it? Sophomore, 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 sophomore slump. slump. Yeah, yeah. And yet, I don't know. Uh, maybe he'll rock up at. Um, at the at the Colin Revolution, at the Riverside. Plus, yeah. As I was saying to my friend Phil, for the text, I was like, I'm sure Kadeem Harris will join you as uh, Neil Warnock's uh, regular thing of um, picking up picking up cheap pacey wingers boys. with pace. Pacey boys. He likes his pacey boys. Likes his pacey he, likes boys. His, he likes his big boys up top and his pacey boys around the sides. So, um, actually, one kind of let's leave it on a little frivolous note here. As okay. I was texting Phil, I said, I asked him, have you ever flown from the Teesside International Airport? You were one of the sponsors at half time. So he went to see, uh, he went to Barcelona to see oh. one of the York peoples, Josephine. Uh, he said, it's basically a shed. Uh, I said, I enjoyed the bit where it listed locations outside of the British Isles, so I didn't have to be annoyed at a definition of international. And Phil told me that it's famous for having a train station that had zero passengers one year. It only has one train that stops there on a Tuesday and you can't actually access the airport from it as they lock the gate. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, excellent. It was the least used station in the country, though they lost the title as it made it famous and the nerds flocked. (laughs) The nerds. Which I replied, fucking nerds. (laughs) Oh, dear. Sometimes you're just like, hey, geek geek lad, lol. Oh. That's me. That's our Harold. Thanks everybody for coming. <laughs> what are we again? Armchair. Armchair Dullard. Oh, yes, yeah. Armchair Dullard and illegal elk. And illegal elk. There we go. I think you get to be illegal elk by virtue of you know being in a country where you may come across an elk, which sadly does leave me as the armchair Dullard. <laughs> Love it. Love it. <laughs> Oh, well, look after yourself, Luke, and folks at home, look after yourselves. And uh, who knows what the situation will be when we talk again. We may still be alive in this never-ending Schrodinger's relegation, uh, or uh, it might be all over by the shouting. I hope if we're like that cat, then I hope someone takes us out behind the shed and puts a shovel through our head. But 
Anyway, let's uh, let's let's reconvene next week to talk about what happens then. Yeah. All right. Cheerio. <laughs> See you. Bye bye.